Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, good morning, and um, good evening, wherever you may be joining us from. Please, can we confirm if you can hear me clearly? Is the audio good? Yes. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. So welcome, everyone, to today's um, Our Daily Bread webinar. My name is Festus Oluwashun, and I serve as the Vice President of Our Daily Bread Ministries for the Africa region. On behalf of my colleagues, I welcome each and every one of us very warmly to today's uh, session. Our Daily Bread seminars are designed to help us engage with our existing and prospective readers partners, ministries, and the general public, as a matter of fact, to encourage them and help them strengthen their relationship with God. You know, as a ministry, uh, our mission is to make the life-changing wisdom of the word of God understandable and accessible to all. And our vision is to see people of all nations experiencing a personal relationship with Christ and growing more to be like him, and serving in the local body of his family. As a ministry, uh, permit me to quickly mention that this year we are intentionally focusing on reaching out to the youths and teenagers. And we do this through partnership with various organizations and ministries. In Nigeria, for instance, uh, over the last two years, we're able to reach at least 17,000 youths um, including uh, members of the National Youth Service Corps with the Word of God. Uh, and we are so delighted that we've been getting uh, a lot of testimonies from those uh, efforts. We've been receiving testimonies of youths and people who ordinarily would not have opportunity to listen to the Word of God to make a decision to serve God you know, through the resources and materials that we distributed to them. If you'd like to know more about the things that Adelibred does, the projects that we have, we encourage you to please visit our website, www.odb.org. And uh, today we are glad that you could join us for this afternoon's um, webinar or morning, depending on wherever you're joining from. And let me also encourage that if you have missed any of our previous editions, you can go also to our website, which is www.odb.org or Our Daily Bread Africa on YouTube to watch them. If you like, you can also search for Our Daily Bread podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or Google Podcast podcast to listen to the audio versions. This afternoon, I'm so excited. Uh, because the topic that we have is a very interesting one. The topic is the debt I owe my neighbor. As Christians, I, I know we all know that Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, but some of the questions, you know, that often comes to our mind when we think of that commandment is that, who is our neighbor? 
And is it really possible, you know, to love our neighbors? What about those unlovable neighbors or colleagues, friends, families, or, uh, uh, or other people that will come across? Is it practicable to carry out this command, particularly in today's dispensation, in the world that we live in today? Uh, I think we probably will just come to the simple conclusion that this is easier said than done. Uh, but that does not remove the fact that it is still a commandment from the Lord and he expects us to carry it out if we are to be found not wanting or deficient in meeting uh, uh, his commandment. So this afternoon, our speaker will be helping us to make some sense of all these questions and also try to help us understand how to put Jesus's command, particularly with this uh, issue of loving our neighbors into action. Ladies and gentlemen, before I introduce the speaker, I would like to say, I would like to, for us to have a quick uh, short word of prayer, and then I'll go ahead and uh, introduce the speaker, and then she will take over from there. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for such a beautiful time as this. Thank you for your children that have gathered all over from the world to be a part of this day's uh, webinar. I pray, Lord, that you will teach us by yourself and that you will reveal the truth in your word unto us. Grant that, oh God, your word this afternoon will cause us to come into a better understanding of this commandment that you have given unto us and will make up our minds to walk in it so that we can enjoy the benefits that you have place for those that obey you and follow you. Thank you for the devices that we are using this afternoon. Thank you for the connections of God. We ask that everything will go according to your plan and your will. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. So brothers and sisters, um, this afternoon or this day, I keep saying afternoon because it's afternoon in Nigeria. Please permit me in case it's not yet afternoon, wherever you are. Um, today, we will be talking about the debt I owe my neighbor. And our speaker for today is Professor Oluremi Comfort Shunaya. Uh, Professor Shunaya is a Nigerian Christian. She is a politician an educate, educator, if you like. Uh, some say an educationist. I don't know the difference, actually. Uh, but she's an educator, a writer, a publisher, a mentor, and a professor of French language. Uh, she was, the, if you're a Nigerian, uh, if you follow Nigerian politics, you know that she's very active uh, in that space. She was the only female presidential candidate in the 2015 Nigerian elections. And she represented the party called COA. COA is spelled K-O-W-A. She represented the COA political party. She is a God-fearing woman with a large heart. And she supports many church and parachurch organizations, including but not limited to the Nigerian Fellowship of Evangelical Students, NIFES, the Nigerian Bible Translation Trust, MBTT, the Calvary Ministry, Great Commission Movement of Nigeria, etc., etc. She has also been a Bible teacher for many years, and she's also on the international faculty of the Egai International in the uh, in Hawaii, USA. Uh, Prof is uh, 
somebody of many parts, as you would have noticed. Uh, she's very active politically on, and she speaks on different platforms on social, political, and other contemporary issues, you know, from time to time. She has published several books. Uh, I would advise that you can go online and check. Uh, her profile is very prominently on uh, online. Uh, you can check um, some of the books that she has published. She is married happily to Professor Baba Funsho Shonaya, and they are blessed with grandchildren, with children and grandchildren. Uh, brothers and sisters, I would like to also please say that you should please keep your microphones muted if you are not uh, speaking, or if you've not been invited to speak, so that we can enjoy a very uh, good uh, session today. And if you have any questions that you want to ask, or please ask that you drop them in the question and answer box, in the question and answer box. Uh, that will be preferable to the chat box because if you put them in the chat box, chances that are that we might not be able to spot them easily or quickly. So without further ado, brothers and sisters, I would like you to please join me as I welcome uh, Professor Shonaya to speak to us this afternoon on this day on the debt I owe my neighbor. She will be speaking for about 45 to 50 minutes and thereafter we will take questions and I believe you'll be blessed as you listen. Thank you very much. Over to you, Ma. Thank you very much, uh, Brother Festus. Uh, greetings, everybody. Um, warmest love to everyone, wherever you are, in Nigeria, in other countries, in Africa, and around the world. It is a great pleasure for me to have been invited to share together with us today uh, for this month's webinar. I trust that my voice is clear and that everyone is hearing me well. Uh, we have prayed that God will speak to us and I just uh, trust that the next 45 minutes or so uh, will inspire us all to know more how we can be true neighbors uh, here in this world as we continue in our journey. I will go on to share my screen now. All right. I, I hope that it is um, clear. Yes, my, it, is, it is very clear. Thank you very much. So what is the uh, objective that we have for today's webinar? It is to engage our minds uh, scripturally and, and to inspire ourselves. Uh, on this subject of the debt that we owe our neighbors. So our reflections will focus on recognizing who our neighbor is. Who is my neighbor? Understanding God's expectations of me 
vis-a-vis -vis my neighbor? What, how does God expect me to interact with my neighbor? We will seek to identify some specific principles and teachings of the Bible that can help us to fulfill those expectations. And then by God's grace that we will be convinced of our responsibility. I will be convinced. I, I like to personalize these things, you know, so it's not like one is talking to somebody else and not talking to yourself so that I can be convinced of my responsibility, both to demonstrate that is in my thoughts, my words, my actions, and also to proclaim the life of the kingdom in the world. That is uh, the focus of our discussion today. So if we begin with who is my neighbor, there are clearly two usages for that word, neighbor. It can be a person living next door to me or very close, say on the same street. So where I live, there's several houses along the streets, you know, so I can consider those people as my neighbors. But there's also the sense of the word as fellow man. I say, I quote that from the Merriam-Webster dictionary. So your fellow, my fellow human being is also my neighbor. And we shall see that this is quite biblical. And indeed, it is. The, the, the focus that we should have, that everyone really is our neighbor. But let's begin with the Ten Commandments, because we find that word neighbor occurring in the Ten Commandments. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We find it in that one. And also the last one that says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife or so on, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So in a sense, there's a kind of nearness of the word neighbor and of the things that belongs to them, taking the 10 commandments. So don't bear false witness against your neighbor. If I look across the road and I see my neighbor, you know, doing something, if something crops up later and I'm asked, I should say exactly what I saw and not embellish it or bear false witness against that neighbor. And in terms of coveting, the neighbor's house or the neighbor's wife. Again, there's a nearness implied in that, that this is a neighbor that I see because my eyes see the beautiful wife, you know, uh, around the house. My eyes see the big house. My eyes see the sleek car 
driving all out of my neighbor's garage. And therefore, I might be prone to covetousness, to envy, to wishing that those things that belong to my neighbor would belong to me also. Ah, why does he have such a beautiful wife? Ah, his house is bigger than mine. We have an expression in, uh, in Nigeria who says, my, my Mercedes is bigger than yours. You know, so those are ways in which there can be covetousness of the things that belong to our neighbor. Let us remember that the Lord Jesus Christ cautioned, he says, if your eye causes you to sin, lock it out and, and, and cast it away uh, from you. Praise the Lord. So um, let's me share something personal here because I believe that uh, recently my uh, family and I may have gotten, especially my husband and, and, and myself, a new perspective of neighbor because we moved from living on the beautiful, expansive campus of the Obafemi Awolowo University in Ileife to living in an estate. When we retired, we relocated. That was uh, towards the end of 2020. We relocated from that beautiful, expansive campus of the university to living in an estate. And definitely we now know that having a neighbor live so close by, look at the photograph of the estate with the houses right one after another, so that when your neighbor puts on their generator or even just is pouring in the fuel into the generator, you can smell it in your own house. That did not used to happen when we were in Ife because the houses had plenty of, of uh, land surrounding them, had a, a big garden and so on and so forth. So your neighbor did not quite touch you uh, uh, in, in, in many ways. Now we, uh, we, we can sense uh, our neighbors in a different manner. All right. And then Jesus makes a different, gives us a perspective, an important perspective on who our neighbor is. And it's the case of a certain lawyer that came to Jesus and asked him an important question. The lawyer said, what shall I do, master, to inherit eternal life? It's an important question. It's the key question that everybody uh, should ask. What shall I do? Because everything does, does not end here. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies to him and says, what is written in the law? And one could wonder, are matters of eternal life about legalism? Well, I mean, the, the man is a lawyer. 
but maybe that has something to say to us as well that we should pay attention to what is written what is written in the book the bible is our law so what is written there about how to inherit eternal life but let's go on with this interaction between jesus christ and the lawyer so when jesus asked him that question he replies ah he's memorized his you know uh, uh his scriptures it says love god and love your neighbor as yourself that's the summary of the law and the prophets jesus tells him fantastic brilliant so go and do that and you will be fine you inherit eternal life we know that that definitely is easier said than done go and love god and go and love your neighbor as yourself. That is, is difficult. Then the lawyer asks Jesus a question. He says, and who is my neighbor? The Bible tells us he wanted to justify himself. That desire for self-justification is about to land him in trouble really and when we try to do that when there's no humility to accept what has been stated in the law but we want to prove ourselves then uh, there's danger further down the road now in response to all of that jesus now tells probably one of the most famous parables in the Bible, the parable of the good Samaritan. We all know it very well. What is important here is how is that man described? How is the good Samaritan described both by Jesus and by the lawyer? When Jesus was telling the story and he came to the reaction of the good Samaritan it, uh, towards that man who had been attacked by robbers and left almost dead, wounded badly. But when the good Samaritan, the third person to pass by, when he came around, Jesus said, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion. And at the end of the story, Jesus asked the uh, lawyer, he said, among the three people who passed by, who do you think was the neighbor to the man who was wounded by thieves? And the lawyer said, is the one who showed mercy on him. So Jesus said, this man had compassion. And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. So we begin to see some of the things that we owe our neighbor. We owe them compassion. We owe them mercy, showing mercy. 
And what this story shows us is that a total stranger that we meet by chance along the way is also our neighbor. So our neighbors are not only those who are living next door to us, our neighbors are also those that we meet along the way. And this can be wrapped up by Romans 13 verse eight, which says, oh, no one anything except to love one another. Don't owe anything except to love. Love is what we should owe. It says, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. We remember that the man, the lawyer, was seeking to fulfill the law. And Jesus is ending up by telling him, he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, the question, of course, is how do we love? Are we capable of that love, that standard of love, loving our neighbor as ourselves that has been put before us? That is the challenge that we have. So in a sense, it's like, oh my goodness, help. Everybody is my neighbor. Everybody is our neighbor. The Bible places on us a burden of responsibility vis-a-vis -vis every other human being. Let's give ourselves some examples. When God asked Cain, where is Abel your brother? Of course, we know that hopefully not many of us will find ourselves in a situation where, you know, uh, we would have murdered somebody and, and God would be asking, asking us, you know, where is this person whom you have murdered? But really, uh, uh, an important message there is you are accountable for your brother. When Abel, uh, Cain then said, am I my brother's keeper? Indeed, yes, you are your brother's keeper. So where is he? And we should be able to ask ourselves that question too. Where is our brother? How are things with them? What is their situation? Do we care about them? And we see that God really does want us to care about people. Other examples from the Old Testament. God told the children of Israel, do not mistreat the stranger who is among you, but love him as yourself. It's the same as love your neighbor as yourself. The stranger who is among you is also your neighbor. Love him as yourself. Remember that you were strangers yourselves in Egypt. And again, another commandment given to the children of Israel regarding how they were to, to, to harvest their, their fields. Since when you reap your harvest, do not gather every grain, leave some for the stranger and the poor. So we are seeing that God 
holds us accountable to our, our brothers and sisters, to our neighbor, whether they are the ones living right next door, whether they are strangers, whether they are people that we are meeting for the first time along the road, people matter to God. People really do matter to God. And we should show that concern that God has to people. So we could wonder, we could ask ourselves, when we see the children on the streets, either those begging or those selling along the streets, weaving in and out of traffic, what do we feel about them? What are we supposed to think about them? What are we supposed to say to them? If God were to address us concerning them, what do we think he would say to us? I mean, here is God in the Old Testament saying, don't mistreat the stranger. Remember you yourself were strangers before when you reap your harvest. Remember the poor, don't gather in every grain. Leave some for the poor and the stranger. If he were to say something to us about the street children, what would that be? If he were to speak to us about our employees, what would he say? Or indeed about our employers. We often think that it's only our employees that, that uh, are to be uh, considered and so on. But those of us who are employees, how do we treat our employers? Are we faithful? What should we say to them? Somebody shared uh, in a prayer meeting a few days ago that there was an employee who was saying that the employer deducted from her salary because she did not attend the office prayer meeting. Now, is that right? Is that just? Is an employer supposed to impose and demand from all employees attendance at the office prayer meeting? I mean, if that is not part of their schedule of duty, and it was not said clearly when you were being employed, that that would be required. How about what God would say to us concerning what is happening in Ukraine at this time. Do we care to even ask God, what are your thoughts about these issues, about these people? And what am I supposed to think? How am I supposed to interact with the, uh, such people or, or, or people of Ukraine? Definitely it would be maybe prayer, Oh, God might lay it upon our hearts to send support and so on. What are we listening? I'm wondering what would God say to us if he were to talk to us about some of these issues. Now things get even, I say it gets better or is it it gets tougher with the coming of Jesus Christ. Because when we read the Sermon on the Mount, 
we see that the stakes are much, much higher now. Jesus has, has taken things uh, 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 like several notches higher because the Old Testament that said, do not commit adultery, now has become in the New Testament, don't even look lustfully. Don't commit the adultery even in your heart. Don't commit murder in the Old Testament. Has become, don't even be angry in your heart without a just cause. In the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In the New Testament, it has become turn the other cheek. Do not resist when somebody wants to take advantage of you. I mean, who can do this? Who can do this in our own strength? Do we have the power to do this? I, I, I put uh, 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 something in the bracket there that it, it, I found it difficult to find a verse on man-to-man -man forgiveness. You know, man forgiving man. Human being forgiving human being. So much. A verse specifically addressing it in the Old Testament. God as the God of forgiveness and so on. It's a side issue, but um, if, if, if we can find uh, verses that address that, I would be glad to, to have you put them maybe in the chat room or something like that. But to go on with the, uh, the thought that we are examining, love your neighbor has become love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. So when we find people cursing enemies, is this a rejection of what Jesus Christ has taught? Because clearly, we are no longer living in the Old Testament. Jesus has come. And the demands of, that he has of his followers are not the same as those in the Old Testament. Because the Spirit is available to us now to rise above an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Loving our neighbor, showing the love of Christ. Our neighbor also includes our enemies. That is part of the debt that we owe. These, these ideas to me are quite radical because they are against our normal, uh, human behavior, uh, really. Because um, let's, when we consider the whole tenure, the whole uh, tone, the whole orientation of the Bible, it is never the case that God is saying, your brother or your neighbor shall do this to you or shall not do this to you. We don't find the Bible saying, your brother shall love you. Your neighbor shall not trespass on your uh, belongings, on your property. 
what we find in the Bible is always you shall not. It is the responsibility that is placed on us, on me, not on our brother, not on our neighbor. So it's all about me. What God is trying to fashion me into. That is the focus of God. And if many come to, to that realization, then it means that we will have a wonderful world. So it reminded me of the song. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So it, it, it's like God is focused on something. God is doing something. What is God about? And it's about getting rid of our self-consumed, self-focused attitude. You know how it is always easier for us to be more concerned about what the other person isn't doing right. We see many examples of it in the Bible. I am, I am sure we too have examples that we can think about. When the disciples came and said, oh, how many times should I forgive my brother? Huh? It's like that, my sinful brother. Is this seven times? The attitude is, you know, I am not the one who keeps on sinning. It's my brother who sits. So how many times should I forgive him? That is the attitude that God wants to get rid of in us. Also the case of the woman who was caught in adultery. And they say, ah, we caught this woman in adultery in the very act. And our Lord says that she must be stoned. And how does Jesus respond to all these uh, attitudes about pointing the accusing finger at others. Jesus just would quietly say, well, go ahead. If you are without sin, be the one to pass the first stone at this woman who was caught in adultery. Or he would say, why don't you just remove the log in your own eyes first? Then you'll see better respect in your neighbor's we have to be rid of our self-interest, our self-focus, our self-consumption, because God needs us here to diffuse the fragrance of Christ around, as it is stated in 2 Corinthians uh, 14 to 15. I think I missed out uh, the chapter there. We are being transformed, being made into citizens of a different kingdom. Jesus declared before Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. We are therefore to show how that kingdom that is different from the kingdom of this world operates. It operates on the principle of love. That is what we need to show the world. 
And Jesus taught this in so many ways. That is, that we are not part of the world. That we are peculiar people. He called us the salt of the earth. He called us the light of the world. He said, anyone among us who would be a leader must be the servant of all. He said that if we want to save our lives, then we must be ready to lose it. We must first lose that life, abandon it, deny it for us to save it. He told us that we are in the world, not of the world. The world needs to see this different kingdom. Jesus has come, he has shown it, he has taught it. Now he has left us here to keep showing it to the world. The people of Antioch, they saw that difference clearly in the, in the disciples. And they had to invent a new name for the followers of Jesus Christ. They called them Christians. Are we living up to that name? Because we call ourselves, we continue to call ourselves by that name. So are we living up to it? Are we showing clearly the difference between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God? So the debt we owe is the debt of making Christ known to the whole world fulfilling the commands of Jesus Christ. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And very often we are told we preach that gospel by our actions, our attitudes, as well as by our testimony, by our witness, so that all may come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that people may grow into maturity in Christ, that they in turn might also be able to show that life of the kingdom unto others. So we are about making disciples of all people, teaching in various ways, distributing the Bible, it, uh, sharing devotionals, Christian literature, and so on. Finding every way to make Christ known, to make the fragrance, the beauty of Christ to be seen in the world. That is our debt. That is the debt that we owe, that we owe the world because of the long run. The whole world is our neighbor. So if we go back to that certain lawyer who came to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The answer is also found in Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 46. We all know, most of us probably know that story of 
uh, the, the judgment when there is that separation. And Jesus was saying, you know, uh, the people on the right, I was hungry, you fed me and so on. And those on the other side, you did not care for me. So ultimately, those who were accepted into a eternal life, which was what the uh, lawyer was asking about, and which God, uh, which Jesus illustrated with the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, is now concluded, is wrapped up very beautifully in this story too. Because those who touched their neighbor and so doing touched Christ are the ones who are accepted into eternal life. Because Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And they said, when did we see you? And definitely, I mean, Jesus is no longer with us here. So we cannot say we are seeing him directly. But he is saying that whatever we do that touches our neighbor, in feeding the hungry neighbor, in clothing the uh, naked neighbor, he says as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers who did it to me. So that is why, again, we cannot afford not to think about the least of the brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. The hungry, the naked. And those of us in this kind of environment that we in Nigeria live in or in many uh, places in Africa, there is ample opportunity. Indeed, it's like it is overwhelming. How many hungry people can we fit? Can I, as an individual, feed? How many naked people can I, as an individual, clothe? But maybe if I feed one, and you feed one, if I clothe one, and you clothe one, then we are clothing Jesus, we are feeding Jesus. That is the debt that we owe to the world. That is the debt that we owe to our neighbor. So finally, um, there is this song, which really is a prayer. And uh, I don't know if several of us know it, but I would like us to sing it. You can sing along uh, with me. The refrain is, we just sing the refrain at the beginning and then uh, at the end. And it goes, Yesu, Yesu, fill us with your love. Show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. Kneels at the feet of his friends, 
silently washing their feet. Master who acts as a slave to them. Neighbors are rich men and poor. Neighbors are black men and white. Neighbors are nearby and far away. These are the ones we should serve. These are the ones we should love. All men are neighbors to us and you. Loving puts us on our knees. Silently washing their feet. This is the way we should live with you. Jesus, Jesus, fill us with your love. Show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. All men are neighbors to us and to God. Like we just saw in the parable of the sheep and goats, Jesus said, as long as you are doing this to any of the least of these, my brethren, you are doing it to me. Everyone is our neighbor. It might sometimes be easier to think of neighbors who don't disturb us, so neighbors who are far away and not pay enough attention to how we interact with the neighbor that is just next door. There are those who live in uh, maybe a common building, maybe in a block of flats, and cleaning the steps has to be rotated. And there's a particular neighbor who either fails to clean the stairs when it's their own duty. We can, what I'm saying is we can have difficult neighbors. Let us ask for grace from God. It does not mean we are not to correct. We will correct. But we need at all times to portray the love, the grace, of the Lord Jesus Christ to all, to our neighbors, both nearby and far away. May God help us to do that. So thank you very much. And may the Lord find us faithful. Thank you very much, Ma. Thank you so much. That was... Um, a very, very uh, inspiring delivery. Thank you so much. I will pray that the Lord will continue to grant you the grace for more kingdom impact. So, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we will be opening the floor uh, very soon for questions and answers. Uh, but before I do so, um, Ma, one of the things that you said is that the whole world is our neighbor. So um, whether they are lovable or not. And there is this, um, this comment that I have heard uh, several times from, even from Christians that 
if somebody is taking undue advantage of you as a Christian, or most times they take undue advantage of us as a Christian because the Bible has asked us to love. And in trying to demonstrate that love, people see you as um, someone to be taken advantage of. So in defense or in reaction to such position, I've heard people say that, okay, I will just, um, I'll keep to my own lane when we see it will only be good morning, good afternoon, we just greet and then I pass. Um, I can forgive, but I can't forget. What would your reaction be to such uh, comments and attitude? Uh, th thank you very much. Um, I, I think the teaching of Jesus is clear. Um, normally, we don't want to be taken advantage of. No doubts about that. But reading the Sermon on the Mount is so challenging. It says, don't resist the one who, who is um, trying to basically take advantage of you. If somebody is forcing you to go one mile, Go two miles with a person. I have a feeling that if we were to put these teachings of Jesus into practice, that we would actually shock people and it might end up making them stop doing the things that they are doing. But when we resist, when we, you know, give fire for fire, or at best, we just say, no, no, I just leave you, you know, I go my own way, I hide in my corner, I won't have anything uh, to do with you. You know, these are just our normal human thinking. And remember, the Bible says that the ways of God are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. I mean, if, if God says to save your life, you must lose it. What kind, of, what kind of logic is that? What kind of logic is that? So it's the same way. You know, if, if somebody wants to take advantage of me, then I say, okay, yes, here I am. You know, take advantage of me. The person is likely to be so shocked that even if, you know, that at some point, I'm sure, you know, my attitude will, will challenge them. So I'm just wondering whether we are um, giving the world a good enough picture of what we are supposed to be. The Bible says, if you greet only those who greet you. So what have you done that is extra, that is, you know, specially commendable? I, I believe that, you know, they, they, these are the challenging areas of, of Christianity, which we have not uh, dwelt upon sufficiently because we always tell ourselves, oh, let's be practical. Oh, let's let's be uh, you know realistic uh, about these things. I, I I'm not sure you know whether 
Jesus was practical and realistic in the sense that we are uh, intending it. I don't know whether others uh, have. Thank, thank you very much, Ma. Um, and I think just to corroborate what you said, that's the reason why someone like Apostle Paul will say that he daily that it dies daily to the flesh. Yeah. Uh, because if you react in the flesh, um, there is no way you would want to uh, forgive someone who has taken so much advantage of you, even up to the point that um, maybe it's just God that spared you from, uh, uh, from very severe consequences, uh, including death, for instance, or putting you in uh, big trouble simply because you showed an act of love. Uh, like you said, God will help us uh, in Jesus' name. I will turn over the, the session to my colleague, Yemi, to continue with the question and answer. Thank you, sir. And thank you, Mark, for the wonderful teaching. Um, we are now at the question and answer section, and I've got some interesting questions here. I'll start with a uh, song, Olajide. Esonlajide is asking that, uh, okay, said, well said, Ma, but I would like to ask, how guided should one be in order to avoid usurpers? Yeah, I, I think this is the, a similar question to what uh, Brother Festus uh, just asked, you know, usurpers, where people who want to take advantage and things like that. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting more and more um, challenged uh, by this attitude because I think that it's a defense mechanism for all, for all of us. You know, we are always thinking that we are the ones being taken advantage of. We are not as, um, as, as sensitive when, what of when we are taking advantage of others. You know, we often, it's a shift in perspective, I believe, that God uh, will help us to acquire. Because we are constantly thinking, oh, for example, uh, I'm being misunderstood. Oh, nobody understands me. Ah, people cannot be trusted. Why don't I turn it around and focus on myself and say, how about if I become that person who understands everybody, who seeks to understand other people, rather than constantly seeking to be understood? How about if I became that person who will be trusted? and show myself trustworthy, rather than going about with the mentality, oh, you cannot trust anybody, the world is, is full of uh, terrible people, and so on. I think that, you know, it, it's this shift that, that makes it, that should make a difference, and that will make a difference in the world. When all of us are going around thinking that we are, we are you know, uh, uh, the best, or, uh, or, or, or we, other people owe us, they owe us their allegiance and, and so on. 
then I, I don't think we have fully been witnesses. You know, and Jesus said, I, I, I am your example. He suffered for us and we are invited to suffer along with him too. Um, the, the gospel of suffering uh, as, as a Christian has, has not been very popular in recent times, but we are called to suffer. Anyone who will live righteously in this world will suffer persecution. Thank you. Thank you, Ma. Yeah, I have another question there from Folari Afelumo. Folari is asking, uh, is saying the Bible commands us to come out from among them, that is bad neighbors. Now, how can we still be good neighbors to them? Ah. The way to, when the Bible says come out from among them and be separate, I believe what the Bible is saying is the same thing that Jesus said in his long prayer uh, in John. When he says we are in the world, you know, but we are not of the world. Say, so keep them uh, by, by your power. So we are in the world, we are not of the world. So coming out of among them, I don't believe it's a physical coming out. I mean, we can choose if I buy a house in an estate, I can't determine who my neighbor is going to be. So if, if my neighbors then end up being non-Christians or difficult people, am I, you know, going to say, oh, I'm coming out of among them, I'm, I'm going to sell my house and, and go elsewhere and so on. I'm not sure that is it. I think it's in the sense of come, don't, don't be partakers of, of their way of life. Come out of among this the simple, you know, of godly unrighteous world that's the way in which i understand coming out from among them you know for we are children of light we are called to be light what what do we have in in, in, in common with the works of darkness we cannot be partakers of their works so we can indeed we are required to be good neighbors to them to everybody, even those who treat us badly, we are required to still be good neighbors. We have example. It says, if 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 you see your enemy's donkey fall into a pit, you must pick it up. You must help your enemy to, to raise that donkey out of the pit, and, and so on. Those are the things that we are taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. We resist them. We find them difficult, you know, and therefore we come up with a lot of justifications, you know, uh, trying to, to find reasons why we should not do that. Thank, thank you, Ma. Um, I also have a questionnaire from Banji John Alao, and he's asking that how do one handles a nasty neighbor? who keeps repeating the same offense over and over again? Um, handling a, a nasty uh, neighbor, um, 
like I said, I, I, I don't think it means you allow the neighbor to get away with, you know, let's say there's a neighbor who dumps garbage, who throws garbage over the fence uh, into, into your own house. Um, I think you should ask the neighbor, no, you are, you are not supposed to do that. Could you please come and pick it up? You know, come and pick up uh, the, the, the garbage that you have thrown. However, what I have found to be helpful is that um, that does not now go on to determine your relationship with that neighbor so that you still find opportunity to show kindness to that neighbor. So you don't just be thinking, oh, oh, this is this terrible neighbor. All he does is, you know, uh, litter the ground and so on and so forth or make noise. You know that when there is opportunity, oh, let's say during Christmas time, you can still go over and say, you know, Merry Christmas and give a little gift and, and so on. I believe that these are the ways in which the Bible says we, you know, in so doing, we, we keep coals of fire on that neighbor, even, even if their thoughts towards us are not good and so on. But when we repay their evil with good, then, you know, uh, uh, at least we are obeying the commandments of our Father. And we might actually see uh, a big, a big change in that neighbor. Thank you very much, Ma. Uh, I think the last question I have here is coming from Ben Ibrahim. Ibrahim is asking that my Christian brethren on the plate to find it difficult to forgive and love the Fulani neighbors due to incessant attack attacks leading to destruction of lives and properties. Sorry, I didn't get the question there. Okay, yeah, I think, I've, I've, I've opened it, it's on the chat. I've opened it. Yes. Christian brethren on the plateau find it difficult to forgive and love the, the Fulani neighbors due to incessant attacks leading to destruction of lives and property. This is a big challenge, honestly. And it's not only for the Christian brethren on the plateau, it's for all of us Christians. When we see the, the uh, attacks on fellow Christians, on believers, when, when we look at all the killings and so on, the destruction, how can one continue to love in this kind of situation? I, I, I truly believe that we, 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 we need to run to God to help us to know what to do. I, I hope that nobody is taking this to mean uh, we condone evil because that is not what uh, I have sought to do. We are not to condone evil. We are to speak up for against unrighteousness. We are to speak up for the truth. And indeed, maybe Christians have not spoken up sufficiently. 
you know, we have, have we sufficiently mobilized ourselves as, as a group and taken our requests, our observations to the appropriate places to say, look, what is happening is injustice, what is happening is wrong, and we stand against it as Christians. It seems that we are often afraid to do that. And there's no reason to be. We must be strong to declare the truth, to stand up for righteousness and justice. So this, I think, is, is important. That loving our neighbor as ourselves is not taken to mean condoning all the evil that the neighbors are doing and, and, and keeping quiet and saying, oh, Jesus says we should love them. No, because we are also in this world as agents of truth, of justice, of righteousness. That's the way that I, I want to answer the question. Thank you very much, Ma, for all the responses. Uh, I will hand over to my vice president now to take over from me. Well, Thank you so quickly, much. Sorry, yes, maybe quickly before then, I say that there is a comment as well from uh, Omola Jaoshoni that says it's interesting for, to consider what we should do for our neighbors as debts, debts that we owe Jesus. Indeed, I think. He has helped to, to summarize it uh, very well. We are debtors. We are debtors. It's a debt that we owe. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ma. Thank you for this wonderful session of, um, of learning together. Um, what I see is that the Christian world is not um is not a joke uh and the sooner we come to the realization that once we have put our hands on the plow and we begin to look back we are not fit for the kingdom according to the word of god uh, the bible makes it clear also in first corinthians 13 when it teach when it where talks about love you know and charity and uh, other other characteristics of Christians that um, love is the greatest of them all. And love must propel us in all the things that we do as Christians. Uh, and Jesus himself has shown us an example of that by the way he lived his life. And he said he has laid an example for us to follow. Uh, there's even a place in that first Corinthians chapter 13 where it talks about even when we go out on evangelism, and we give ourselves up to be bound, you know, matired. If the intention, if the motive is not born out of love, he says that we are just doing it, we won't gain anything from it. So my prayer is that the Lord will help us to be fully intentional in the way we live our lives as Christians and trying to please God and not please self, because that's where most times we have conflict. Thank you very much, Ma. Uh, I want to pray that the Lord will continue to bless you and increase you in wisdom and in knowledge. 
I want to especially thank everyone that has been a part of this session today. Um, by tomorrow or by Monday, by the grace of God, the, um, the full version of the, the recordings of the session will be on our social media uh, platforms. So if you go there, you can listen to it again. And then if you need any further information, you can contact us. We'll be happy and willing to, to send you more information about the ministry or concerning any of our projects or any of the things that you have heard today. And if you have any additional question that we couldn't answer today, I also encourage you to please send it to us. We'll find the, we'll speak with this, uh, talk with the speaker today to see if she will be kind enough to respond to them and then we'll send it to you. So I thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your attention. I hope that you have been blessed and that we'll go back and begin to live out our Christian faith for our neighbors to see, because that is what will attract them to Christ. Uh, I would like to call on uh, Brother Patrick to close us in uh, prayers before we go. Patrick, are you there? Is Patrick online? Okay, John. John, please. Yes, indeed. Let us pray. Father God, our sister Remy has addressed an issue with which we all struggle. A shallow love comes easily, but loving those who may oppose us is a different matter. Our limited ability to love is not enough. We need more. We need the agape love of God in our hearts reflecting through our lives. We can't do this in our own natural strength. Help us, Father, to surrender our inability to you and allow you to shine your divine love through us. Your love is so much greater than we can fully understand, but what you've revealed through our sister unpacks a miracle. In Christ, we have become new people. Through Christ, you've given us new hearts and new values. Your word tells us that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. There lies our only hope of loving our neighbor or of loving our enemy. It is Christ in us, the only hope of glory. Father God, I pray for each member of today's webinar. As we bring you our weakness, please fill us with your strength, with your glorious love. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone. Thanks for coming. Have a blessed day. Thank you, John. And see you next time when we invite you. I hope you'll find time to join us. Thank you and God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Ma. Thank you so much.